Welcome to the first episode of the 4AM Empire. This is your co-host, Miguel Aldrete, Edgar Castellanos, and Salvador Covarrubias. Our guest today is Emmanuel Berellesa. Emmanuel will share his story on how he overcame adversity to graduate high school in just three years and got accepted to some of the most prestigious universities in the world. He also teaches us the steps on how he created his own nonprofit called Face It to help low-income families in the third world countries. I hope you enjoy this episode and welcome to the 4AM Empire. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of 4AM Podcast. What we hope to share today and in all the episodes coming is young people, entrepreneurs, but not only entrepreneurs, people who are creative, uh, who are you know taking the first step towards their dreams and goals. And it takes a lot of hard work. Both Edgar, Sal, and I have uh, built uh, companies, businesses, written books, um, started YouTube channels, all these different things. Um, and it's a lot of hard work that goes into it that goes on behind the scenes. So we want to bring that to light um, with the guests that we bring in. So today we have our guest, Emmanuel Berayesa um, from Dartmouth, uh, originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. But now he's traveled all over the world, inspiring people with his nonprofit called Face It, uh, which is focused on being able to truly um, help low income people, low income students around the world. So Emmanuel, thanks for coming and, and being our first guest. Thank you for having me, Miguel. Um, yeah, so as Miguel mentioned, Face It is a nonprofit. Um, it's, we recently changed our mission. Originally, when I first started it in 2015, I was 15 years old, and the original mission was to help struggling communities in Latin America. And um, I don't know if you want to get into like, the details of it now. or Yeah, so I think um, the, the biggest thing we want to share, like when you got started, um, what was the idea... Or, or what's a little bit of background about you that gave you the idea to start that nonprofit? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think something super essential and not only getting to know me, but I guess the nonprofit itself is that um, both of my parents are from Tijuana, Mexico. We're currently in Chula Vista, so it's about 15 minute drive across the border. And, um, and I have seven other siblings. I'm the second youngest. And so what sort of got the idea going sort of stems from my background. Um, my freshman year of high school, so in 2015, I just started high school, and at that around that time, my dad lost his job, and so when you're the only income earner, or the majority of your paycheck comes from one income, and all of a sudden that isn't there anymore, um, it obviously created a lot of financial hardships for me and my family and my siblings, um, and so during that time, my dad found work eventually in Tucson, Arizona. He worked there for about six months, and then he found work here in San Diego, um, for about another six months. So for about a year total, he wasn't living with us. And then before that year, um, there was about three months where he was just unemployed and we were living off of, uh, you know, whatever we could, right? Uh, we'd get food from like donation centers. Um, if we ran out of clothes or if we needed something for school, um, I was fortunate that I had older brothers. So if I needed clothes, I would have clothes from older brothers. Um, but obviously with like my sisters and, you know, school is expensive. Like if you want to do sports, you have to fill out that athletic packet, you want to do track, you got to buy like shoes, you know, there's just like a lot of small expenses that really add up, especially when your income is down to zero. Um, and so during that time, it was just really difficult for me and my family financially. Um, but when my dad moved to San Diego, we tried to visit him about once a month. I mean, even when he lived in Arizona. And so each time we came to San Diego, we'd go to Tijuana because that's where my grandma is, my aunts, uncles, my cousins. And so my frequent interactions, like going to the border and then coming back like once a month, sort of forced me to put things into perspective. So I don't know, I'm sure you guys have like crossed the border and as yeah. you like exit, there's like a bunch of kids like selling cheekless, like gum, um, bracelets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. doing tricks, like literally putting fire in their throat so that you could give them whatever change you have, if you right. give them change, because a lot of people just like keep their windows closed. Yeah. Um, and so I just saw like the hustle of kids who were like my age. I was 15 years old at the time. I saw the hustle of kids like my age and like even younger, like as soon as you can walk and talk, um, they were out there in the streets like really selling. I saw my cousins who were just st struggling a lot more than we were. Like even though like we were poor, but we were like poor by like U.S. standards and being poor by Mexico standards or any like non-first world country is completely different. Completely. And so even though we didn't have like enough food or clothing or we were struggling to like make our rent and things of that sort um i saw the need 
in other countries and I saw the fact that like if you didn't have food you simply wouldn't eat right if you didn't have enough money to go to school you just wouldn't go and so I started like frequently seeing that it made me think like ah like my situation right now in my household is not the best but like at the very least I have a free education Um, at the very least we can go to a church a few blocks away wait in line even though it's one or two hours and get food that's expired but at least we're able to get some sort of food right um even like school food is like not the best but at least we had that horrible food yeah it's so nasty um and so that's sort of where like that's how the idea stemmed for me i was like okay i don't have a lot now but i know these people have a lot less and we went to mexico once a month anyways so in my head i was like okay what can i do to help like just whoever i can right like that's sort of the mindset i didn't really have like an idea or a structure i didn't even know what a nonprofit was at the moment i literally just wanted to help um because i saw like not only like myself and them but i saw the struggles of like actual family members and so the first thing that i started doing um was i would just fundraise like enough money like literally just like ask whoever i knew from like church or like any um like teachers and stuff at school we'd fundraise enough money to buy just enough like for tortillas, beans, rice, nice. like literally the basics, beans, rice, tortillas. We'd yeah. make them at my aunt's house. That's lived... good stuff. <laughs> it's really good. It's food. It gets, it gets yeah. the job done, bro. Yeah. So when we went to Mexico, um, my aunt lives in a colonia, so it's like right outside of Tijuana. And at the general hospitals there, I don't know if you guys have been, but like people usually wait like hours outside because they're just usually over capacity. And so what we did was um, we just set up, like, we bought, like, a bunch of rolled burritos. And then we just, like, started giving out, like, food. And we had, like, oranges. We had, there like, at the two, hospital? Yeah, outside of the okay. hospital. To, like, Haras de Agua de Jamaica and, like, water and things of that sort. And then I just, like, started, like, giving it out. And, like, people were, like, coming, like, who weren't even in line, but, like, coming out from, like, the surrounding houses and stuff. And there was, <laughs> like, um, there was, like, a short line at one point. And so I was just like, okay, like, this is good. Like, what, like, what more can I do? And so after about the second time, we, my mom is like really involved with a lot of communities in Mexico and she got in contact with one, an owner who he's like the director of this Haitian refugee center. Cool. So I don't know if you guys know, but a lot of people who come from Haiti that are applying for like a visa or asylum or whatever sort of residency in the U.S., they all always, always pass through Mexico. And this is true for Haitians central americans etc they all always go through mexico inevitably they come through tijuana mexicali chihuahua like all the border cities um across from texas as well it's usually where they come and so there's this haitian refugee center um where it was just like a big building and they like slept inside and the director said that um i talked to him i was like what like what's the biggest need here and he said they just needed a water boiler because they haven't had um warm water for a long time and it was like winter like it's so cold in Mexico, that's especially crazy. during the night. And that's like a basic need, you know, that like a warm water. That I don't When's even think about When's the last time you got that. showered with, without warm water? I mean, forcefully, I like take cold <laughs> showers to wake no, me up. Boost your immune system. <laughs> I don't yeah. go in. I don't go in. But I never thought, not once in my life, like, am I going to turn the faucet on and not have hot water? No, now? that's true. Like, that's crazy. And the thing is, like, there's a lot of like, it's not just adults from Haiti, it's like younger kids as well. And like, I saw babies there and like young kids. I was like, okay, how much does a water boiler cost? Which is like 300 US dollars converted to pesos at a current, let's see, maybe like, what, 60,000? Somewhere around there, yeah. 60,000 pesos, Mm -hmm. which is a lot if you're living in Tijuana and you're literally just operating off the donation. So I was like, okay, bet I think I could fundraise (laughs) this money. Like $300, you could like get that money one way or another in the US if you really just like, Mm -hmm you'll figure it out right so that that was sort of my mindset i was like okay i don't know how i'm gonna get this money but i'll figure it out so around that same time when i started doing bigger things like it wasn't frijoles and rice and tortillas anymore like now i needed 300 dollars, which is significantly more um i started realizing that when i asked like principals and stuff and just like within the school district i was really involved with like national honor society and student government so like i had access to administrators um to potentially do fundraising all of them said that they needed this thing called the tax ID, like the 501c3 tax system status. And so that's what started to get me thinking. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is, but everyone's asking me for it and I can't get any more money unless I have this tax ID status. Um, so I went online and with anything, um, I didn't have internet at my house at the time either. So this is sort of like the very basics of everything that happened afterwards in my life. I started realizing that like, even though we didn't have a lot, I think the first and foremost, the thing was just like gratitude for what I did have. 
I think before I started going frequently to Mexico, I was really upset at the fact that like I wasn't able to see my dad for over a year. I was really upset at the fact that my mom had to get three jobs. So she had one job as um, they were all part time. She had one job as uh, a lunch lady at our local middle school, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekend, she'd work um, cleaning at the country clubs. And then she would also clean houses like after going to the country clubs to like the really rich areas. And we didn't have a car. So she would take the city bus and we lived in East Las Vegas. And she went like all the way across the city. Um, so it took about like two hours taking public transportation. And my mom had like an injury like a few years before where her ankle um, broke. I think it broke. I'm pretty sure it broke. Um, she had to get surgery and stuff. So she's walking on her feet for a long time. Like it started to hurt. And she would always come home just like exhausted. Her hands just like completely deteriorated from like the chemicals she had to work with. Like cleaning all freaking day. Um, and so I was like seeing my mom exhausted. Seeing my dad not even there. My younger brother was in seventh grade and he was like on the verge of failing middle school because like my parents weren't paying attention to him. You're like, you know, when you're in middle school, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll Vital get, time, you exactly, know? like you'll, you'll get away with as much as you possibly can. Um, and so at the same time, I'm trying to like be a good like figure for my brother, like, hey, like school's important. And he's like, oh, you're not my dad. Like, leave me alone, whatever. <laughs> um, and my older siblings, like all of them had moved out at this point because we literally could not afford to like keep anyone at the house. Um, so they went out, did their own thing, got their own part-time jobs, figured it out. Um, however they ended up doing it. And so I was just like, so then there was me, right? Like my parents are out working, my younger brother's doing whatever he wants, my siblings are out of the picture. And so I'm just like at home with like no one to talk to. Like mind you, I had like a lot of siblings and now like I have like no one to talk to. I don't have internet at the house. And I'm just like there. And we moved really frequently. And I remember this apartment, I think maybe we moved, um, I think maybe it was like six months into moving, we moved during the summertime and around falls when my dad lost his job. So like, I didn't really have any friends in the neighborhood. And I just remember like, what, like, what do you do with yourself at that point? Right? Like you don't know anyone, you don't have internet, you don't have anyone to talk to. Um, and so I think what it also gave me like something to do with myself. Right. So it wasn't just like wanting to help, but it was also like, I can help. Like there's literally nothing else to do. Like I wasn't old enough to get a job to help my parents. I wasn't old enough to like, help in any substantial way from like a financial standpoint for my, You're 15 for my family. At this point. Yeah, I was 15. And so I was like, okay, like I can't do much. I tried selling things on Craigslist. Um, I like made stuff, like I made like cupcakes and I would like sell them like 50 cents, like just like <laughs> knock around the apartments. But like, bro, your profit margins after buying like the frosting and this. And then my mom's like, me estás gastando la luz. Like we're like, I'm, I'm wasting the light bill. I'm like wasting the eggs and the flour. So like at the yeah. end of the day, I was like, okay, like this isn't working out. And so, for me, like the whole idea of giving back was interesting because it was like, I could use someone else's money and like at least like if not myself and like help someone else. Um, and so that's sort of how, how it got started anyway. So I came, I came to school um, the next day and we had, uh, we had like our library was open until 4 p.m. School ended around two. And so I would just stay at the computers until like I had to go home. And I started looking up like, um, how to start a nonprofit. That's literally all I looked up. Like nothing super complicated, nothing. I just kept hearing nonprofit, like, oh, you should have this. So then one thing I Googled was how to start a nonprofit. And then the second thing was um, how to get the 501c3 tax exempt status, because that's what I kept hearing from the administrators I was talking to. Um, and so then slowly but surely, like there's so much information out there. And I think that's something like, again, realization number two, I didn't know how much I actually had access to um, because like we all have or like the vast majority of students, even low income students in under resourced high school, chances are that there is a computer in a classroom or in a library that you can use. Or maybe if you don't have a phone, then like use someone else's phone. Um, exactly. So there are like there's also public libraries. So like when I yeah. couldn't go to my school, um, there was a public library like a few miles away from my home. And it, again, it took me forever to get there. But like one dollar I paid the city bus, I'd go to the library. Use subscriptions to bus passes, friends rides. Yeah, exactly. Carpool. Like there's like walk if you camel. like literally walk. <laughs> I don't know. Like I had like I said like I was oh fifteen. God. I had nothing to do. Like if I absolutely needed to, like, I would like walk to the library because yeah. I have I can't do anything else, you know. Um, and so I started looking up and I started reading like all these like publications like on the IRS on like what it is, how to apply for it. There was like this whole form, um, and so I don't know if you all have ever tried filing your own taxes before. No worries. But it's very, it's very similar in this, like it's a very similar structure where you have like multiple lines and it starts off with basics, like what's your name, what's your address. And then it started getting into really complicated things like, yeah. 
like what's your business plan what are your inspected like expected income where are you getting it from charity real estate all these things that i just i was 15 years old at the time bro i was like i had yeah. no idea what this was hey, they don't teach of, it in school you're ahead of the curve just trying to do that at 15 they don't teach man. You anything bro and then i i started like talking to like my teachers and they were just like i have no idea what this is um someone recommended to like call an attorney because there's a lot of things i read online that said that usually lawyers or like you pay them a one-time fee and they'll do it for you. Yeah, but um, where were you gonna get the money for? Bro, it was like a thousand dollars. Like I didn't have more than the boiler. Literally more than the boiler. I was like, dang, like I, like I don't know how I'm gonna like pay for this. Uh -huh. Um, and so because it wasn't, it was a thousand dollars for someone to fill it out for you, and then there was an actual fee for the paperwork itself that was mm -hmm. like eight hundred fifty dollars. And then on top of the IRS fee, you had to get like state licensing and like some other like thing from the Secretary of State. So it came out to about over a thousand dollars for the paperwork itself and then another thousand dollars for the attorney and again i'm like still 15 like my dad's like freaking unemployed bro like i'm where am i gonna get this money from he's getting good and so <laughs> around this time i was also so now i'm like during this whole expiration it's now about like spring term um still freshman year of high school i joined the track team and to fundraise for like some of our fees um our coach made a t-shirt with like the track logo like las vegas high school track and field and he sent us out to like get 10 pre-orders, um, sell the t-shirts for $10 to like help with like our expenses on the track team. So who would you sell those t-shirts to? I would just like knock around like my car my apartment complex. Okay. Um, you did a lot of home stuff, walk around house. I did cupcakes. so much walking, bro. That, Starting that with is, the cupcakes. That is horrible. How, how did that fit? go, That's bro? why you're how skinny, many, you got track, you got... How many cold, <laughs> well, cold I, you got I'll, going on? I'll, I'll get to that. So surprisingly with the track shirts, they actually sold like very quickly. Oh. Like they saw like, oh wow, like a school event. Like they obviously saw me like... I'm a young student, like, I want to, like, be in this track team. Help me pay for it. So, like, those shirts sold, like, very quickly. And so I was like, dang, like, maybe I can, like, pay for this nonprofit stuff by selling my own t-shirt. So that's what I did, right? Mm. I went online. I, like, looked up as many long, um, what is it? Like, you know, like, those shirts that you can make on your own, like, online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I went on one of those. I just used, like, their basic templates. Um, and then I started like talking to my dad about like my new idea. And I think for my dad, he was like very excited about it because up to that point, like from my dad's perspective, like he also left his family and he's also been out of the house for like eight months at this point. And so hearing like his son, like excited about like something like we really just like went back and forth. And at the end of the day, like we came out with the name Face It. And the reason we named it Face It was because, well, there's a few reasons. One, it was like, it was sort of like my personally it was like i had to face my circumstances right it's like face it like my dad's not here my mom's working we don't have this we don't have that but we have to face it like there's literally no other way if you try to like pretend it doesn't exist if you try to like i don't know do nothing it's so easy to like fall into like a downward like depression and not being able to do anything and i think i've always been raised with the mentality that like you have some sort of agency in your life it might not be a lot but at the very least, you have to face your realities, however hard or however it might be in your own way. Um, and so we came up with the name Face It. And then I also decided to like name it Face It because I realized how apathetic a lot of people were towards the concerns of others. So like I remember one time I gave a speech and this person was like, why are you trying to help people in Mexico if even people here in the U.S. need help like down the street? Yeah. Which is like it's a very valid concern and it's a very valid thing. But for me, it was just like, okay, that is true. But like, at least we can like, and I took my life as an example, like, even though there were people with a lot of need, like my family was at the time, like, at least there were measures in place to not go hungry. Like there were still donation centers, there were still school lunches, True. versus like in Mexico, like, there's literally absolutely nothing. A lot of people don't understand that, right? They don't understand that. And so it's again, like face it, bro. Like there are concerns outside of our face own it, borders. Um, and so I came up with the name Face It. I got like a little logo that I got on the template. Was that the eagle logo from? Yeah, Florida? that was the that eagle was the logo. One? And then I put an eagle on the um, on the T-shirt, and the eagle sort of represented, you know, just like the freedoms we have in the U.S. Yeah. Um, to pursue like whatever we want, because that's sort of when I was like started thinking about these things. Um, and so I I made a shirt, and then I printed it because the order came out to about two hundred dollars for I think maybe thirty shirts. And again, like I, didn't, like, I didn't have $200. Bro, I have $0 up to this point. Like, I'm not, I don't have any money. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I did the exact same thing that my track coach told me, right? I uh, took a screenshot, put it out um, on a paper, and then I just knocked on doors, and I showed everyone the design. I was like, hey, I want to like, buy this water boiler. I want to start this nonprofit. I need this much money. Will you, like, pre-order for a $10 T-shirt? 
and this was like so much harder than just selling the track shirts bro because through track it was like through school it was like some yeah. sort of guaranteed but this is just me right like just imagine just like a random stranger coming up with a picture and not the actual shirt some like random 15 mexican boy <laughs> saying like hey like give me ten dollars <laughs> and I will come back in two to three weeks when your oh, shirt comes true. in. I didn't think about and that. And I'll give it to you, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. bro, like they have to trust. Like I'm pretty Ooh. sure that everyone who gave me that ten dollars expected to never see that shirt again. Because like how can you? Like realistically, how can you? Yeah, and like true. the neighborhood I lived in, like it was also low income, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure they also don't have ten dollars just to like throw away like that or yeah. like quote unquote throw away because from their perspective. They're just like giving there's it out. There's no to guarantee. Someone. Exactly. There's zero guarantee. They like your hustle, man. And so, well, sometimes some people just didn't even answer. And so I remember there was this one weekend. It was like late <laughs> May now, so hot in Vegas. Like it could easily get like above 105, 110. And I was just like dedicated to like after practice, I would like you know it's rinse my face. About that, bro. <laughs> I'd like knock on every door, bro. I would like there'd be blocks. Like I had like a map. I was like, okay, I'm going to circle this, and I'm going to circle this, and I'm going to start knocking on this, and whatever. So I had, like, my little game plan on, like, all the doors, because I had to hit, like, the $200, 250-something dollars. And, bro, the first day, like, the first full day was just Saturday. I think you guys sold maybe, like, three or four, maybe five that entire time. Like, but, people weren't buying the how, shirts. How many, how many knocks? Oh, bro, bro so many. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> 40 at least. I don't know. And, and 10%? 10% salary? Maybe less than that, honestly. <laughs> it was hard because, like, some people just weren't home. Or some people, like, would, like, peek. I would see them peek, and then they would just, like, ignore Pretend me. Like they Be were quiet. Home. Be yeah. quiet, bro. Like, they turn they on, crawl back to the <laughs> Turn off the lights. And so, and like, sometimes, like, if they weren't home, like, I didn't that's know what, how That's what I used to do when Jehovah Witnesses would come knocking on my door. Oh, my God. <laughs> Crawl back. What's the most replies you would get? Like, what's the common one where they say no? Um, they would just say like, "Oh, not at this time," or like, "Sorry, I don't have cash." That was a big one. Don't have cash. You should have okay. out the cash app. I got a cash app. But that, that, Venmo. That, exist, that wasn't a thing That's back true. then. Cash app wasn't a thing. Venmo wasn't a thing. Like, bro, I don't even think I had a phone. Like, how am I gonna like <laughs> give them the transaction? <laughs> Let me borrow your phone. So, like, Download the app on their phone. I don't know, but um, so I just like kept on knocking. And I remember, like, one time, like, I was just, like, it was, like, Saturday, like, the sun was setting. I was, like, okay, like, I shouldn't be knocking on doors anymore. And I remember, like, I was just, like, crying because, like, my mom was, like, coming from the bus stop, like, close. And, like, she's obviously tired. My face is, like, burnt at this point. Like, it's, like, sunburnt because I also, like, I don't think I put any sunscreen on. No one does. And I was just, like, <laughs> so frustrated because I literally just wanted to get this freaking boiler to the refugee center. Like, that's all I wanted. And people, for some reason or another, were not wanting to buy these shirts. Um, and so I just like kept at it like the day after and the day after that and eventually I had enough money um, To put in that first order and so the shirts that I sold right like I, I knocked everywhere again And I gave them their shirts that they ordered wait quick, quick question How long did it take you because I'm sure people want to know how long did it take you to acquire that money a week a month to get the total amount yeah. From what point to what point from the point that he decided that he wanted to get the boiler from the point he started selling shirts. From the point you started selling shirts, because that's the income. Like you're starting the income, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's twice. You have to earn the two hundred to then yeah. earn the rest to get right, the boiler. Right. Bro, it when it was all said and done, by the time I had enough money for the paperwork itself and for the boiler and for that <laughs> initial, paperwork, it was easily like almost a year. It was like eight, wow. ten months, maybe a year. You got cold water for a full year, bro. This was like <laughs> this was like spring time. Yeah, you have a good immune system. <laughs> Oh, this was you like, have a great immune system. No coronavirus like for you. Springtime during, like, when I had the shirts. And then towards the end. So now it's, like, 2016. Towards the end of 2016, um, I, uh, like, I finally got approved. Or maybe I have the timeline mixed up, like, a year back. Probably right now. It's fine. Probably got this timeline mixed up, like, a year back. Um, but it did take, like, months. Like, months. At least 10 months to get everything done. Because another thing was that with the paperwork for the attorney... Um, I ended up just filling it out all on my own. Cool. So I just took it like, I was like, okay, like I can read, right? Like that was my basics. I was like, I can read. Did you Google each thing? I Googled That's everything, what I would bro, too. line by line. So I was like, okay. And it literally starts with like line ones through like however many lines. And I just went line by line and whatever th question I had that I couldn't find on the internet, 
I would just like make note of it and then I would call the IRS every Friday like right after school because it would take oh, like wow. bro it would take like an hour to get a hold of someone on the IRS that's smart and like beforehand but that was after like week two of doing this beforehand I would call them as soon as I had a question mm. and then I started realizing like okay this is going way too slow um, and so I'm like I'm like reading um, all the publications that I can I'm like getting all my phone calls and like I remember once like I had a call back so I called them bef like an hour before school ended so that by the end the period ended, I would finally have someone on the phone. And I remember like I had like a phone once and then like it's, I had, I had them saved under IRS in my contact so I could like call them quickly. And then I don't have that contact. Oh, I, have a, I have them blocked. I remember my teacher was like, I was like, why is the IRS calling me? I was like, oh, hold up. Like I got to take this call. And so I remember it took me about a month. It took me about a month to like finally get through the entire packet because there's like some lines that says like if this applies to you check yes and if yes you have to add another document explaining so yeah. you're hoping it doesn't apply to you yeah bro yeah, you're like <laughs> praying it doesn't apply to you but like sometimes it just does and so it just kept adding more it's like whenever i thought i was gonna finish like i wasn't i sent it in and finally i sent it in i had enough money like at this at the exact same time simultaneously I'm like selling as many t-shirts as I can and I start playing with the design too. So I just had like a plain white shirt and people were like, oh, you should do colors. And so so you're going side, like, like you said, simultaneously. And I think that's important for a lot of people because some people, they don't take that first step because they feel like they have to prepare all this stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like I could easily see somebody being like, oh yeah, I'll start a nonprofit. But then they're all like, oh, this paperwork. Okay. They focus all their time there and they like completely forget about the other part, right? Yeah. So what was the importance of, like, doing that simultaneously, you know? I'm just going to set this right here. Put it on the mic stand. You can get it closer. I like that. That's true. All right. Um, the importance of doing it simultaneously, like, bro, there was, like, no other choice. Like, th that's literally, like, because keep in mind, right, like, there was no other choice. What else am I going to do? Like, I was already doing sports. Um, like, my parents were, like, working. And for me, my biggest motivation was, like, seeing my parents. Yeah. I was, like, they're working so hard. And the fact that they came to this country something years ago and like got us even to this point to begin with where like we can have a home to live in and I have like the opportunity to live in the U.S. Yeah. And then like again, like just seeing my mom come home every single day, I was like, okay, like I don't, I don't really have a choice, but it's like continue doing this for like, because I it started really, there was something else like sort of magical that happened. Like by helping other people and just by like doing what I was doing, I started realizing that like, People take note of that. Like my mm -hmm. other class, like I was a new student at the school, right? Because at this point I also moved three times. Okay. So I moved like my very, so in the fall term when my dad lost his job, I moved schools. And then during that time, like the new school was really far away and like no one could take me. So then I had to move again. So at this point, like spring term, like I was moving schools left and right. I didn't have like any friends. So well, you like, had a lot of potential customers. You had a lot of neighbors. So many customers, bro. <laughs> so many customers. Because the thing was, too, was like, X, right? yeah. I, like, I ran for president, fresh for freshman class president at my first school, and I won. So I was like, okay, bet. Like, now I have, like, half a student government <laughs> bet. to, like, distribute these, like, shirts for me. And again, like, I... Game plan. I'm gonna take over this school, <laughs> bro. But I, I couldn't work. I, I, I couldn't do it because like undercover. I didn't, have, I didn't have the tax ID status, and then I moved um, to the second school and I joined student government again. I was like, okay, like I have another group of people who are like willing to help me out. And then it was at the third school that I got to that I wasn't able to join student government for some stupid bureaucratic thing rules that they have. Literally, Miss Capitino, you were the worst. I know. I felt um, it. Dang, you just. You're She's just the worst on her right now. She, you need to know to that podcast. you were just say the name. <laughs> I want to hear the name. I don't know. If don't say the name. Don't say the name. Keep going. <laughs> it's got to you. Check we're gonna tag her down below, <laughs> bro. I Destroy your Twitter. It was no, just really horrible because I remember at, this is like this is all happening at the same time. This is actually when I also decided to graduate high school early. Oh, that's right. Because like I was, I wanted to at do so age? many things. I think I was 16 now, so I was like 15. I like hated school, like. I was like, my family's in a crisis, and I have to come to... No, oh, that's when I decided I wanted to graduate early. But I was like 15, I was like, my family's in a crisis, and school was just at all. Like, it wasn't helpful at all, bro. In the first school I was, it was like one of those, like, magnet schools, like those tech schools, where the kids were just, like, super... What's the word? Um, Like, pretentious, and like, oh, like, I'm, like, smarter than you, and this and that, and like... 
you know, I'm like, bro, like, I could barely get to school, and now I have to deal with you guys, and, like, the teachers, <laughs> and, like, the teachers, like, didn't really seem to be invested in me as a student, like, they didn't care, they were just, uh, like, they were just, I don't know, they were teaching, but they weren't invested in me as a student, and I didn't really feel the love from them or the administrators, nothing, it was just, like, another place to be, yeah. and it was really hard to focus, and so when I got to my third school, where which I ultimately ended up graduating from, when they didn't let me join student council because of, like, oh, the semester started, you should have started at the beginning of the year, and I'm, like, I'm trying to explain to you that I was at a different school, and my dad lost his job, and they just weren't, like, working with me at all, and I remember I wanted to take, like, AP classes, and, like, they didn't let me as well, um, for some, like, just administrative structural policy reasons, um, it couldn't get done, and I remember I was, like, I was, like, I'm going to drop out, or I'm gonna, like, graduate early, because, like, this cannot go on for four more years, like, there's no way, this um, is all still your freshman year? This is all still freshman year, bro. <laughs> Jeez. My dude selling shirts and graduating. So, like, at the same time, right, I'm, like, doing these, like, t-shirts, and I'm, like, playing with, like, the design. So, there's, like, lavender. There's black people. Like, oh, you should do tie-dye. So, I started doing that. Oh, and I then people, this. like, people started seeing very specific designs on the tie-dye. And they were, like, oh, I what want that specific. What year was this? This was 2016. Okay. This was 2016, bro. People, because it was now getting hot again, right? It was, like, summer. People were, like, oh, you should do tie-dye, summertime. And then people would want, like, a very specific design of the dye. And I would, like, do my best to give them that. And, like, I wouldn't. Like, it's tie-dye, bro. It's, yeah. <laughs> you can't replicate tie-dye if it's by hand. And so it was just, like, a mess. And then I started, like, I made the mistake of getting the size distributions. So, like, obviously, there are, like, the most people are, like, smaller medium when they're in high school. And I got, like, equal amounts on all. Like, mm. equal, small, equal, medium. Equal I started large. a t-shirt company when I was in uh, middle school and I did the same thing. And I realized, like, dude, they're not extra large. They're middle schoolers. <laughs> <Bro, laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't have extra bro, large I went, up, I went up to 2XL, <laughs> and I got equal amounts of all of them. I don't know why. So at the end, and it was an, and it was after, like, five iterations of orders that I was just like, these XLs are not going to <laughs> Like, I don't... like. There's not I, enough fat kids. Bro, there's... You still just, have them right now. Like, you use them as blankets and stuff. I actually still have them. I still have them. Like, I, they're there. I don't know. I, I think, I think that applies to every business, right? Where, like, yeah. in every business, you got to know which stock to keep, right? Like, you got to be able what to have the, the right inventory. Because if you get the wrong material or the wrong product that no one buys, you're just wasting money. And that's a cost to you? Yeah, it was a huge cost because you're also buying it assuming that you are going to sell it. Yeah. That's how you make your projections. I mean, that's what I told the IRS anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't selling, bro. So I was like, okay, I'm like readjusting here. I'm readjusting there. Finally, I after, tell the IRS <laughs> the right thing all the time. All right? <laughs> I don't know. That came out of him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm hopping back and forth between timelines, but it's like, Bear with me. Eventually, after submitting the paperwork for the IRS, I um I got it rejected twice. I think like they're really? like sorry, wow. we like you get to inform you because of like it was always something technical. Like this was unclear or this was missing. And so finally, I think after the third time, bro, I finally got it. I mean, this was December fifteenth, twenty fifteen. I got the letter and it said congratulations, you've been approved for five hundred one c three. How did that feel, bro? I was on top <laughs> of the world. First of all, I was like kind of in shock because. Like, I was like, dang, like, I really did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was 15 years old when I got that letter, and I was like, I, like, I really did it. And, like, I did it in, like, something so technical that, like, a whole paperwork, bro, I think... You needed attorneys, bro. Duh, like... I needed attorneys. Like, people <laughs> paid people for this, and, like, I did it, and I, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, where I come from, like, when you're... And it sort of it goes back to, like, the prologue of my book. Like, when you grow up and you're constantly told no, and you're constantly, like sort of made you feel less than, like, you're less than capable, you're less than intelligent, you're less than whatever. I and, love that. Bro, it wasn't necessarily, like, my teachers, because, like, I always did well in school. Yeah. But it was my siblings, bro. They're my biggest haters. My <laughs> <laughs> biggest Like, I, I love you all to death. They're, like, my favorite people now, and we're really close. But when we were growing up, like, we're, like, eight people in, like, a small space. Like, you're bound to get on each other's nerves. Yeah. And they were all, I'm the second youngest, so, like, six of them are older than me. Oh, and they they were always just, like, trash-talking whatever I did. Or, like, oh, like, you're dumb if you think you're going to do this. Or, like, whatever. Like, you're stupid. Whatever, whatever, right? And so for this, it was, like... Like, I knew I wasn't stupid because I quite literally would score, like, perfect on, like, state-standardized exams. But, like, it still sort of gets to you, even with all, like... Just hearing it. Negativity. Yeah. And well, so, like, especially from family and everything. Yeah. Especially from family, bro. And so I... Like, when I got the 501c3, I was like, damn, like... 
I really felt like no one can tell me like anything at this point. Like I, like here's the proof, bro. Like I don't even know if you could do this, right? <laughs> it's like finally I like I had the five hundred one c three, and so I was like, okay, like now I can actually start fundraising like more formally through like schools and like the student governments and stuff that I joined and like the friends that I made at other schools. I was like, I could actually like get into more classrooms, get into more speeches, whatever. How sorry to sorry to cut you off. Go for it. How man. how important do you think that is for someone? who is young and hasn't gotten to where they want to be or even started to get that first step of, hey, I can do this because I've been in that same position where, you know, like a lot of people, they might underestimate you or they might not think you have it in you. And then you actually do it and not to prove it to them, but to prove it to yourself. Yeah. It just gives you like that whole next level of confidence to just For keep going. Sure. So what, how, what would you think that plays into like the success that comes after that? I think it's everything, bro. I feel like the only person you need to convince is yourself. Like, at the end of the day, that's the that's only so person true. that matters. If you can convince yourself that you're unstoppable, yeah. like, it's a done deal, bro. Like, you are quite literally unstoppable. There's nothing no one else can ever say to you. Like, yeah, like, it, it's just, like, it might, like, it might hurt you. It might sting you <laughs> a little bit. Right? It might put you in your feels for the rest of the day. <laughs> but ultimately... Playing the weekend all the, the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> if you fully believe that you can do it then like you do and i think like once you do it once right like you like try again yep. and like you might fail like when you try again but like you'll try it again and then like eventually you have a track record of like little successes right and like after a certain point like you're again like you're unstoppable like you have a track record now you know you can accomplish it because you've accomplished this in exactly before so it's not like something new anymore but i think what you mentioned is like so important like the very beginning that very first accomplishment that seems just like miles right. away i think you just you have to want it and i think for me it's like i i had like the world around me was like burning right so it's like if i don't do this and by this i mean like just being the best student that I can. Because when I came back from Mexico, that was sort of my mentality. Like, I want to be the best version of myself. And that means being the best son that I can, the best brother that I can, um, be the best student that I can first and foremost. So I remember I, like, after my first year, like, I ended up with straight A's on my transcript. And again, like, I was working hard in school, but that wasn't necessarily, like, my end goal. Like, I was just, like, in my whole virtue of, like, being the best student that I can. My parents were already like sort of like struggling with their own financial problems and with my younger brother, I was like, okay, I don't want to be another, another burden to them. Um, so I like, I got the grades and then I got the 501c3 status and then I got like the water boilers for them and I got like the website up and running. I got like the t-shirts up and running. Like again, like small successes. And I think it's also super important to see how you define a success. Yeah. So like for me, if someone opened the door and bought a shirt or at the very least if they opened the door like, bro, that was a success for yeah. me, right? Yeah. Like, if I define my success, like, I'm going to sell 20 shirts today. And if I don't, then it's right. going to be a failure. Like, bro, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's super true. Because um, a lot of people, ev everyone says they want it, right? Everyone. But I, at the end of the day, it's your actions that are going to say if you truly want it or not. Because there's people, the reason why this podcast is called 4AM Empire is because at 4AM, there's two types, Right. People are either going to sleep because they've been hustling all day, all night, or they're waking up early before everyone else is up to get a head start. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think it's super important to, you know, count every little step and, you know, be patient throughout the process, especially when you're young. Yeah, That's, I mean, I remember being 15, 16, 17. I always had big ambitions, but it wasn't till years later where I actually started doing and getting the, yeah. the results, right? And it's all like, it's all, it all builds up on each other and it exactly. all takes time. And so like to your question, like, you know, how do you, how do you keep on going? How do you maintain that motivation? I think if you just reframe how you define success, it will go a long way. So like for me, like showing up to school on time was starting to like, feel like a success, right? Yeah. Like having someone open that door for me was sort of a success until eventually like I had actual like concrete successes that I could show to other people, show to my parents, show to myself, like, Hey, I got like, I got all A's this year. Hey, I, I got this nonprofit status. Hey, like, we quite literally got the water boiler so that you can all have warm water. Like, this now is... Now, how was it? Did you guys go and deliver it? Did you see the people that... 
receive um, the water boilers or was it like you sent them the money and so we saw the people but we didn't we didn't buy the water boiler we okay. went with the well we gave the money to the director guy who then had people within tijuana who got it for them um but and I, did you go visit after it was installed i didn't visit after but i visited beforehand and i think the way that i sort of try to interact with more underserved communities even where i come from um i tried to make it so that it wasn't like I think a lot of organizations nowadays have sort of like this um, savior mentali- mentality mm-hmm. like, oh, here I am bringing all this food and here I am like with this money to help you like pour people out, like thank me, whatever. I remember I intentionally tried to avoid doing that, especially with guidance of my parents. So it was more so of like, okay, we're going to just like give what we came to give and like leave it at that, like the thank yous. Like, the thank you first and foremost is, like, from God, right? Like, the blessings that we have in our life, like, that's already a thank you and enough. Like, the fact that we were able to do this is, like, the thank you that we need. Um, And so, in terms of, like, seeing how, like, it it impacted their lives or talking to them or whatever, it wasn't super important to me because I was, like, you're going to have warm water regardless of, like, if you care or not or if it made your life better or worse or whatever. Like, you're going to have warm water Mm -hmm. and that is already important. And also, like beforehand like it was i just like every project i did i discussed it with like whoever was in charge because they know the problems first and foremost right yeah. so it's like if they tell me this is a problem and if it's solved then like i will trust that like that's like that that, that that is a thing um and so anyway so then with face it i um so i started like doing more iterations of that right so we also ended up buying school uniforms for an all-boys orphanage outside of guadalajara and just like more iterations you know like buying fundraising um, trying to just showcase that, like, hey, this is what we're trying to do, um, buy a t-shirt or just flat out donate. Um, and so around, again, simultaneously, by the end of freshman year, I decided, like, okay, I'm going to graduate early. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this sucks. Um, <laughs> and so I remember I went to my high school counselor and I... That's, see, that's a different, like, perspective of most people. Like, most people say, school sucks, I'm going to drop out. Yeah. And instead, you said, school sucks, I'm going to graduate <laughs> earlier than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, get it over with, difference. right? That's, yeah. that's such a different, like, what take on to, it. You what know? made you want to graduate and not drop out? Well, because, like, I had, like, m- more aspirations that required more of a degree, right? Yeah. I, um, so, like, in fifth grade... I like I ran again I moved schools a lot because like whenever rent increased like we had to move around a lot but I remember like in fifth grade I like I ran for student body president and I was like okay like and I won right and so I was like wow like this is cool like I can like do stuff and like again like it's fifth grade you can't actually do much but like having the position (laughs) and like running meetings or whatever I was like this is like interesting and then like in eighth grade again I ran for student body president I won and then freshman year of high school, like during that first month of school, brand new school, whatever, I ran for freshman class president and I won. And so I was just like, okay, maybe, um, like maybe this is like, maybe I want to do something more in like public service and government, like mm-hmm. being in a position where you can like administer and structure things to make people's lives better was really appealing to me. The, the magnet school that I was, the technical school was like for medical. It was like a medical program I was in. I was convinced I wanted to be a doctor. And then after going through that, I was like, okay, I don't want to be a doctor. So that was like cut out. And so it, it, it sort of like brought me back to like that point, right? Like maybe I do want to do Now how service. important was finding out that you didn't want to do that? Because a lot of people are like, oh, what if I don't like it? What if I right. try it and I don't like it? Like what, mm-hmm. what's your experience on trying something that you think you wanted to do and that time that yeah. some people might consider wasted? But I think it might even be, like, Talk a positive lesson. thing. Right? It's, again, it sort of goes back to, like, what are you going to do alternatively? Like, what's the alternative? If you're not yeah. going to explore, like, what else are you going to do? Like, sit on your ass and, like, just we'll go on about your life? <laughs> <laughs> sit, there, just sit on your butt and just, like, wait, like, you know? Um, and so I, I think there's no such thing as a wasted time when you're trying to find out what you actually care about. Like, there's, it doesn't exist. Right. Like, quote. like, no matter how long it takes, like no matter how that. old yeah. you are, like, it's We're not a waste of time because it's, like, like it's your life, bro. It's quite yeah. literally your life. And especially it's especially true when you're young because, like, you, you don't have, like, I was 15, right? So, like, I couldn't get a job even if I wanted to. So, it's like, what else are you going to do? Like, okay, explore, right? So, even though that term wasn't the best, and I realized I just did not want to go in the medical profession field. Um, it gave me something valuable, right? It, like it gave me like it's like if you're taking a test and there's A, B, C, D, E, you eliminated one answer, 
the, the statistically speaking, the chances of you getting the right answer now just increased mm-hmm. by X percentage. I like that because analogy. You, because you've eliminated one, right. right? So it was sort of like that. I was like, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. And I think it was also part of like my dad's influence. He was always just like, you're great at speaking. You love giving these speeches. You like, I was like, I don't think being a doctor is for you. I don't know if you want to do it. Yeah. Anyways, so I remember just like one day, I don't remember exactly how this went, but I was just thinking about like, okay, like let's look at like, I started looking at biographies of people, right? So at this time I started looking at people who like started nonprofits. I started people who started businesses. I started people who were heads of government, right? It's like presidents, secretaries of state. You were 16 at this time? I was 16 now. And I'm like, who are these people, right? Like, who are the people who created this company? Who is the person who has ran this country? At the moment, it was Obama. So, like, I went on Wikipedia, and I just looked up Obama, like, just his basic Wikipedia page, and I just started reading about his life. I was like, okay. What's some, what's some fun Hawaii. information or something you learned there that you can share with us? <laughs> um, about Obama? Yeah. I think what stood out to me was the fact that he went to Columbia University, which is in New York City. Um, and so I remember, like, I looked up Columbia, and I was like, okay, like, Columbia's part of the Ivy League, and there's eight schools in there, and so once you look at one, like, you look at all of them, right? There's Dartmouth, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, etc. Um, and so I started looking at these schools, and then I remember I looked up at Bill Clinton, and he went to Georgetown, and then I looked up just, like, a whole bunch of other people. Um, the CEO of Zappos, Zappos is headquartered in Vegas, and the what CEO is Zappos, of Zappos, for those who don't know? Zappos, it's, like, the shoe company, um... It's basically, they do, they do a lot of stuff, but it's just online apparel. Um, but the CEO of Zappos went to Harvard, and so I was like, okay, like, I'm seeing a reoccurring of these same schools popping mm-hmm. up in every biography that I read, in every book that I read. And so then I started thinking about, like, okay, this is, I think this is why I decided to graduate early instead of dropping out. And I was like, okay, like, I want to go to one of these colleges. Like, I don't know what it is about them, but they seem to be producing, like, really high-achieving alumni for whatever reason it may be, like I just I, I need to go there. And so I started looking at the websites and for if you just go to any one of these websites, it tells you generally what they look for. They look for like an accident an excellent academic record, activities, letters of recs, test scores, etc. Like just the very basic things that you need to apply. And I had just finished my first year and I got all A's and I was like, dang, like I'm actually on track. Like as of right now, like I actually have a shot at this. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, since I want to get there as quickly as possible, I'm just going to like cut off a year, um, because I don't want to like, how I don't want to be here. How anymore. do you cut off a year? So that, that I didn't know, right? I, went, <laughs> I didn't know how to do that. I, I would have done that too. If they told me, bro, I, I went to my counselor and I remember I was just like, I want to graduate early for X, Y, Z reason. Um, can I do this? And I remember his response was, oh, that's not possible. People don't do that. Like, you can't do it. And I was like, why not? He's like, well, because you need this many credits to graduate. And the only way you take those credits is if you do summer school and you only get, like, summer school if you're, um, they called it credit, like, yeah, credit deficient, right? So, and I thought that was so messed up. The fact that, like, if you want to get ahead, they won't, like, pay for the classes. But if you took the class and failed it, they will let you take the class. I'm like, okay, how are you going to prioritize students who, for some reason or another, fail this class versus someone who just wants to like get ahead and they weren't letting me. Um, and so what ended up happening was like, okay, the main thing here, my main takeaway from this conversation was that like, I just need to get the credits done. And even though it hasn't been done before, this was like shortly after I got the 501c3 status, I was like, okay, you were still on that high. I was still on that high, right? I was like, (laughs) they said I couldn't get this and I got it. So like maybe just maybe I can figure out a way to graduate early. So I, th- that's all I did, right? I printed out, like I went on like the Clark County School District. I went on the website. I looked up all the requirements and I was like, okay, I need to take four math classes, four science, three of this, three of that, two PE, this art, whatever. So I had this whole list and then I literally just like on a pen and paper made my own little chart. I was like, okay, I've taken this many classes. This is how many I have left. And slowly but surely, like I started restructuring in a way that I could take all the classes I needed bef- like to graduate in 27... 27- 2017 instead of 2018 and the main sacrifice for that was that when the school year began again instead of taking like six classes i remember i took nine and like half of them were like ap or like honors classes how did you take nine though um so they were online so they didn't let me take them during the summer but they did let me take them during during the school year which just made my life worse because i didn't have to go through all like i could have spread it out a little better um but unfortunately it just didn't work out and so i remember 
Like, bro, now this is like 4 a.m. Empire, bro. I did not sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep. I remember like sophomore year, like sophomore fall, I would like, <laughs> I would wake up at 6.30. Classes would start at 7. No, I would wake up at 6.30. Sometimes I would, luckily for me, I lived across the street from school, so I would just sprint. Oh, that's nice. Like, I remember one time I like heard the bell ring, and then like you have two-minute warning before the late bell, and I would just like sprint across. Um, and so... I would like wake up at like 6.30, I'd try to wake up at 6.30, shower, eat, like run to school, and then I'd stay at school until, school ended at 2, and then I'd be at the library until like 2 to 4, and then I'd come home and take a nap from like 4 to 6, and then I would just stay up all night until 4 a.m., and then go back to sleep, and then wake up again at 6 a.m., and I stayed up all night because, bro, nine classes was no joke, on top of the nonprofit, on top of like... What did you take online? Um, online, what did I take? I, I took know. like algebra <laughs> two something. I, I took like classes. another world history class, like an English class. Um, and then just like my normal classes at school. And at the same time, like I wasn't letting up other things. Like I was still in student government. I remember my sophomore year, I did, I did tennis. No, I did track. I did track freshman year. Then I did tennis. Then I did wrestling. And then I did, what else did I do? Tennis, track, wrestling. Everything. Every, yeah, back of the football team, your, and principal to fill your time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, oh, that's the thing. So when I was on season, I would after school I'd go to practice and then I would take my nap. Um, <laughs> no. It had to be. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, it's really important sometimes. If you take my shift, you go hard, and you're you're going to sleep at four a.m. Yeah, you, you need it. You need to. And then I sometimes I would have like shirt orders and stuff were really ramping up now. So I would like run from school to school, like delivering the shirts, giving the speeches. How, how were you sort. advertising your shirts? Were you still going door to door? Were you doing um, online sales? What, what was going on with that? I, I had a website so people could see it online. Mm-hmm. Um, I put them on my personal Instagram. So I put it on just, I would just post it like this is a, if you go on my Instagram at so face I it official, scroll all the way down. if you scroll Maybe. down, what's, what's your at? Um, my app for the nonprofit now is face it official underscore, I believe. And then my name's just Emmanuel dot Briesa. Um, B E R R E L L E Z A. We'll link it. Yeah. All right, you'll yeah. link it. Um, but anyways, I would just like post it so people would like DM me. They'd give me this, and like sometimes it'd be so far away from the city that like I couldn't go, but I would know someone who lived there. So I'd give them the shirt to give them the shirt to give me the ten dollars, and then like what? it was just like a whole mess of like, whole, like finances and wow. this, and simultaneously I'd like contact like business because I had the five hundred one c three now, so I'd contact like Applebee's and Panera Bread and doing all these like car yeah, washes and fundraisers exactly yeah. to try to like get more money in because I just had like these bigger ideas to like help more people in more countries and more and more and more whatever um and so I was just like running on fumes like every single day but I was doing it right like and again I think the the power of being youth of being like so youthful right like you have energy and you have time that's true um so like you can do it right and so I was like doing that you're never gonna be younger than you are today right bro I remember at some good one (laughs) thank you thank you that's that a good keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I turned 16, I was also able to um, get a job now. And so I got a job at an ice cream shop. And so again, like, this is all happening at the exact same time, bro. Like the classes, the job, the nonprofit, the like online schooling, the normal schooling, the clubs. What did the they feed you, bro? They're not human. Yeah. Yeah, what did they feed you? <laughs> what did you eat? I didn't eat, bro. <laughs> ice cream. You, like, sneak ice cream at the ice cream shop. No, I remember, like, in the mornings, I would just, like, give... I would be so exhausted that I didn't have enough time to, like, get a formal breakfast. Like, the mornings, it's I wouldn't hungry. eat. <laughs> and then during lunch, like, we only had, I think, no, 30 minutes. Hungry. 30, 40 minutes. And, like, the lunch lines were so long. Because when you go to, like, an underserved school that's just overpopulated, like, the lunch lines are ridiculous. Because everyone long. needs that. Because everyone needs it. So your alternative is, like, to stay in line to get the free lunch. Or you have money to get, like, hot Cheetos and an iced tea. I'm like, I don't have money and I don't have time to wait in these long lines. Because there'd be a lot of times where you'll wait in line and you still wouldn't get the food. So I would just go straight to the library and continue, like, answering my emails, making my phone calls. So I wouldn't eat breakfast. I wouldn't eat lunch. And then when I got home, like, my mom still wasn't home. So I would, and there was, like, usually nothing in the fruits. Like, maybe I'll make a sandwich. Maybe I'll make eggs. Usually I I ate a lot of eggs. That's the only thing I knew how to cook. Um, But usually I would, like, (laughs) take the nap. I would take the nap, and then when I would wake up, then my mom would come, and then she'd make something. But, like, I really wouldn't eat, and it was really unhealthy now that I think about it. Like, no sleep, no eating, doing all these, like, things. Um, you're a kid, it's fine. But you're a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, it's I don't, fine. Like, I don't think I'd be able to pull it off as effectively as I did now. Like, th- like there's just no way. I was yeah, on some other... Now, here, here's a quick question, because, you know, you're going through all these classes, you're not sleeping, you're obviously booked throughout the day, 
like no time to do any of this. Mm-hmm. How did it affect, or or how did you overcome the fact that people your age are not doing this? So I'm sure you got a lot of people that you know were like, oh dude, this kid's weird. Like, what is he doing? Like, uh-huh. right? Like, it, I'm sure ninety percent of your classmates and people in your class are like, why are you? Why are yeah. you trying to graduate early? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Like, just enjoy your time. Like, you don't need to be doing yeah. this. It's just the same thing, right? Like, yeah. people's opinions. And I think that goes out throughout all but of I've life. I've gotten it but, a lot. Um, yeah. I'm sure yeah, you Yeah, especially have during your teenage years, though. That's yeah. where you feel it the it's most. Like, it's not cool to, like, sure. try in a class. And, the, and the, the, cra- the, the hardest thing in those teenage years, because now we see the perspective. Now we've gone through it, and we've seen, like, okay, yeah, like, we, we've gone through the, the, like, criticism and stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're in high school... That's something that's really important to you. Right. Getting accepted by your classmates is something that is important as a high, as a teenager. Yeah. So how were you able to overcome that? For some reason, bro, I just did not care. Like, I, <laughs> like well, I could care less because, again, like, my family is in a crisis. For me, right, it's like I care true. so much more that's about the well-being of, like, my brother and me and yeah. my family than I do about whatever, like... Yeah. It's made out of that it just, it, just, <laughs> it, just, it just seems stupid to you, basically. It like, seems really all, silly to All me, the gossip, though. all the opinions, everything else compared to reality, which yeah. is your reality, it just seems dumb, right? And I think in this 100%. country, we're very fortunate. You know, it, it ends up hurting a lot of people yeah. in reality because we're kind of, uh, like Gary Vee says this a lot, where like we're raised in a, in a zoo, it's a fake environment, right? Yeah. But if you go to other countries that are poor, where you don't have anything, like, their reality is much different, so they approach life with a different lens, right? 100%. And, um, I mean, I, I'm, I I was fortunate enough to not grow up <clears throat> in, you know, something in a very bad environment, but I'm also very fortunate to not have been overcoddled mm-hmm. and still realize what, what you know, like what the reality is, yeah. And I think it's super important. I think my home environment definitely played a role. Because, like, even the few people who, like, did talk badly about me or would make these remarks, like, bro, you have to understand, I lived with my biggest haters, bro. Like, my siblings, <laughs> like, there was absolutely nothing that I heard at school that I did not first hear at home. Like, there's, yeah. like, literally quite literally nothing. So, it, it sort of, like, built, like, thicker skin. Yeah. Like, an immune system. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, opinion, <laughs> the opinions from uh, from your classmates was nothing. That's, uh, that's it. So yeah. That's all you got? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, like, again, going back to, like, what you said earlier on, like, how do you, like, have that confidence? How do you build that track record? It was, like, bro, like, you can hate on me, but, like, I'm your class president, so what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> like, you can hate on me, but I can, like, I can, I have some sort of agency. I have some sort of leverage. Um... And so it was like, okay, like I just kept, I was so focused on me, to be honest. Like I was really focused on me. And I think the people who saw that and who respected that are like my friends to this day, bro. Like those yeah. people who like got close to me and said like, hey, bro, like how did you do that? Like I want to do something similar. The people yeah. who like wanted to learn something and be my friends. Because you also have to understand, like I moved so many times that I didn't have any actual like friends. I didn't have like close friends to like be with. So I was just like, okay, like, and I also for some reason didn't quite understand like the mentality of like people back then. Mm-hmm. Like I... I don't know, I just, I was never really on the same wavelength as many people throughout my entire life, and I think when I got yeah. to high school, it became really evident, but at least now I had something to fight for, so I remember, like, I had a PE class, and I would literally just, like, read the whole time, like, I would hide in the back of the gym while people were, like, playing, like, indoor soccer or whatever. You were that kid. I was that kid <laughs> who would just, like, I would just, like, read, like, books, because I was just, like, like, I don't care to, like, play soccer right now, I don't care to, like meet people I don't care to just like walk around the field like talking about what like what are you talking about that could help me at all (laughs) I still think that way up to this day yeah and I I don't know I don't know but for like the majority of high school kids that's a hard thing to absolutely it is more than more than adversity more than not having food more than this I've spoken to a lot of kids and their biggest biggest question is like dude like I try to do something and the rest of the people pull me back down right yeah. And it's like a mental thing, and it's really yeah, hard to it overcome. Is. It's very, very few people, like many of us, but I've fallen into that trap of like, oh, I'm gonna do something, and and all this nonprofit stuff, and and all my books and everything, and I'd hide it from people mm-hmm. my own age. Like if I meet a parent, it's like, oh yeah, I've written books, or if I meet a potential sponsor, I'd share oh, yeah. it with them. But at school, I wouldn't even bring my books because you know I was afraid of what you know afraid not of the fitting judgment. in, yeah, not fitting in. And that's that's tough for high schools. Do you have any advice on things 
people can do, or it's just uh, you either yeah. got it or you, you gotta don't. Face it. No, you gotta face it. I think right? you gotta face it is definitely one point, but I think what and I actually write this in the book um, that I wrote slash am still editing. There's a whole chapter. Do you have called, a title for that? It's it's in the works. I have a title, <laughs> but um, the title right now is "Your World Is Yours." What do you want? Um, that's the title right now, but there's a whole chapter that I write called Anchoring Your Why. And so I, I, I write extensively about this. Like before you go out on any sort of adventure or any sort of goal or any sort of thing that you want, like you have to quite literally anchor. Like, you know, like when you like in the movies, you have like the little like SpongeBob anchor that like keeps the ship ashore. Yeah. Like you have to have that be your why and you have to anchor it. Like it has to be immovable because you will get like that hate, you will get those doubts, you will take a class and you won't do good on that exam and then you'll reconsider how smart you actually think you are. You will get rejected two eyes, three times from the IRS. Like you will have like- <laughs> From the IRS. Like you will, like, you will Very have specific. like door sh- <laughs> shut on you. You will have like people say things and it will get to you. Like it'll, it's just a flat light to say it won't get to you. And I can't say just face it because Sounds it's so much more complicated than that. But I think if you anchor your why, and by that I mean like really, like, be sure about, like, remind yourself of the reasons of why you're doing this. Like, why are you waking up at 4 a.m.? Why are you still knocking on doors? And if that reason is really strong to you and if it's really compelling, like, that should be enough. And if it's yeah. not enough, then you have to reconsider your why or you have to reconsider your goal because clearly the goal does not outweigh the why. And there has to be some sort of balance there. But I think if you have your why anchored, it will be enough to help you push through. And, like, maybe not even, like, both of those three. And I know a lot of times, like, you know, like, the lion, like, you're just going to, like, take it on and face it head on. Sometimes it doesn't look like that. Sometimes it's just, like, taking another step, as much as it hurt, as painful as it was, with as much criticism as there is. Like, sometimes that is also as equally as forceful as, like, facing it head on. Yeah. Um, And so for me, my why was, like, my parents, right? My why was my family. My why was my life, my personal life. Like, what in the book I write, like, what do you see when you wake up? Who do you talk to? How do you get to school? Like, I didn't like the answers for any of that in my personal life. And so, like, that was my why to me. I was like, my why is, like, getting home to school. And, like, fortunately, unfortunately, I was reminded of it every single day. And so every single day, like, I worked really hard for it. So for the students who, like, want to do something and they're afraid of the judgment from their peers or maybe even their own family members or their own parents, mm-hmm. um, just really spend time on the why. Like, don't focus so much on, like, the actual end goal because chances are it will change. It will shift. change. Yeah. But just anchoring yourself on the why, on why you want this or why this is so important for you is, uh, I think it's, 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 it's everything. And so fast forward a little bit. Um, I took all the classes. I ended up graduating a year early. I ended up becoming valedictorian of my class. Nice. I ended up with, like, thousands of dollars in scholarships. Um, and I got accepted, like, I ultimately did end up getting accepted to Columbia University, which is where, like, Obama ended up going. And so for me, it was just, like, I ended up committing, I was, like, I got into Georgetown, I got into Dartmouth, I got into Columbia, I got into Berkeley, USC, UCLA, etc. And so for me, it was just, like, wow, like, I got, I got this thing. And even then, even when I got my college acceptances, I didn't fully know what they meant. Like, I didn't know how it would change my life. I didn't know what the implications were. But all that mattered was that... I got it. I got the college acceptances. I got the money to pay for One school. One step closer to where you're going. One step closer, bro. One step closer towards what? Like, at that moment, I didn't exactly know. But it felt good. But at least it was one step closer away from where I was. True. And everything was burning. And I think that's super important. Like, it might not be a step closer to where you want to be, but as long as it's a step closer away from where it's just really not a good place for you, I think is also a win. And so now, in my present day, like, I can just go, like, days and hours about every little detail and every little thing and every little anecdote and story for everything that I did um, from like test taking to classes to whatever. So you're a, you're a really good speaker is what you're saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with your present day, um, to close out, what would you what, what are you up to nowadays and uh, what would you leave people watching and anyone that might be in your position, what, what can you say to them? Yeah, so nowadays I'm actually quarantined, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> True, I think we all We've been are. in the studio for three days. We haven't been... No, um, we only got Red Bulls. Yeah. So Red what Bulls. have I been to nowadays? I think ever since starting college, I think my personal journey has been to gain as much perspective as possible. 
um, in any form that I can be. So I've like last year I lived and worked in Paris with the Ministry of Education. I just came back from Buenos Aires a few days ago um, doing another study abroad. If all goes well, which I hope it does, I'll be um, in Russia this summer taking more classes. Russia. Russia. And the next year I got accepted for exchange at Oxford, um, taking more that's government so classes. Cool. Um, and then I'm going to be applying to law school and things of that sort. But I think I've been trying to just gain more perspective by traveling because my school has allowed me to do that. Um, but just by talking to people, bro, talking to like you guys, whoever Miguel introduces me with, um, reading books when I can, listening to podcasts. Um, but I think the most useful form for me and what I hope people can take out of is just be really curious and have, like, don't be afraid to ask your questions. I think every single accomplishment that I have, have accomplished has been as a result of asking a question. Can I graduate early? How do I fill out this paperwork? How do I get into college? Um, it's always nice. been a matter of asking questions, but you have to know like the right questions to ask. And yeah. in order to do that, you have to know where you want to go. And in order to know where you want to go, you have to figure out your why. And again, it's like this whole process um, that I sort of actually try to outline in my book. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> uh, it probably won't be ready for like another year or so. I don't know. But um, we'll interview you again once you have it. My, part two uh, will be coming out. Zoom. <laughs> part two. I, w- I would say if there's anything that I could um, say is like definitely be curious and ask your questions. And even if you don't have internet access or if you have limited access to like books or libraries, um, conversation is free. And I think that's something that I've really took to heart. Like I conversated with anyone. At one point, I really wanted to be a teacher, I think. And so I talked to my teachers. I said, why are you a teacher? Um, Like what decisions in your life led you to this? Did you consider doing other stuff? How did you get to where you are today? Like if you just start off with that question towards anyone, like even ask your parents, ask your mom, ask your dad, because I think... That's something so underrated, especially if you're young. Yeah. You just assume mom and dad got there and they just somehow magically got there. But no, mom and dad have a story. Or or there's also a lot of people that they're just not born extroverted that want to go talk to everyone, right? Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, I think it's very important to be self-aware. Know yourself more than anything. That way you can go the right direction for yourself. And if, if you're one of those people that can't just go up to anyone and talk to them, then like you said, yeah. talking to your family sometimes is all you need. Yeah, and talking to your family or just, like, read a book. Like, look up, like, whatever you want to yeah. see. Like, if you want to be, like, the next, like, business mogul or whatever, like, read a book. There's bu- so many books out there, so many biographies. Um, if you hate reading, if you absolutely hate it and you just don't like it, like, go on YouTube and look up vlogs of professions that you potentially may want to be. There's so many videos out there. Yeah. So you can YouTube, look at a video, Google. look at, read a book, have a conversation, ask as many questions as you can, as many people as you can, because even if you ask somebody a question, the answer will always, always, always vary across different perspectives. Um, And then whenever you gain this information, pay it forward, you know, help someone else out. Um, That's that's really, that's really all there is to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really excited uh, to have Manny here and excited for what's to come. Hopefully, you know, we see the next book that you're coming out, the more people that you're inspiring. And um, thank you for the story as well. It's a great story for uh, for listening. Thank you a lot. All right. We'll catch you guys next week in the next episode. Thanks guys. Thanks. Peace. Thank you for watching the first episode of the 4am empire. If you got some value out of this, it would help us a lot. If you could share, subscribe and check out all our platforms for all the new content. We hope to see you here next week when we bring our next guest and provide some tips to help you pursue your passions, goals, and dreams.